0: Christ commanded us to preach the gospel and disciple the nations. All we do is in support of that mission statement. Join us as we strive to fight the good fight of faith together. together. Welcome to Warriors Rising. Hey, this is Paul with Warriors Rising. Glad to have you on the team. Glad to have you in the fight. We are here today on the 19th of January, which is absolutely insane with Tiana Showy from Made to Conquer podcast. How are you doing Tiana?
1: You stole my date, Paul. <laughs> hey,
0: I know it's important to you. Uh, but every now and then I think I just need to really state the date. It's so important, you know.
1: Yeah, yeah. Now I'm doing I'm doing fantastic. Thank you for asking. How about you, Paul? How are you doing? I'm,
0: tired. I'm incredibly tired. It was a very long week. I had to travel to DC for some meetings. So that was that was very fun but very exhausting. Um and anybody that you know, especially with today's travel at times when you're looking at the board, it's like delayed, 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 canceled, canceled, canceled. And you're just sitting there like heavens. And then you finally get on the plane and it's like, yeah, we got to de-ice and all the fun stuff. You're like, sweet. I'm not getting to bed till two in the morning. It's going to be awesome. Um, but it, it was good. Uh, always exciting. And it's always exciting to see God move. Uh, my buddy that I uh, met, who's a director in on this one platform we're working. Um, he, it, It's just very, very cool because uh, – he has a lot of, you know, very heavy in prayer, Uh, the things that he's done. And as I've discipled him, I've known him now for seven years, which was absolutely insane to me um, that got brought up. It's just so cool to see God actually bring things about because ultimately you can say it is not me at all. It is totally you, God. You know, there's, there's a lot of talent, especially him the the things that he's done um the missions he's ran the special activity programs he's developed i mean it's it it, the guy is incredibly talented and his his ability to operate is just scary um however it's it's amazing because he he will he's the first to say look i so much of this stuff i could not have done i i don't even you know you feel like you're this lunatic that has no idea what he's doing and you're just like i think based on all the information this is the best thing to do so hey we're going to do this and God works it all out and worked all these different programs out and and to the extent that he was in this one office a lot of issues um, things did not go well for him and uh everybody else ended up getting fired and he ended up getting put at the head of the office wow i mean it, just you know so so just the hand of god in, in in those things um but uh there there were definitely a lot of possible roadblocks to to what we were working through and and the organizations we were meeting with, and and things that should not have been able to occur, that that fell into place and allowed it to to happen. So, it, the prayer has always got it. If you want this to work, you're going to have to make it work. If this is your will, like we we want to move forward in your will and not dr- kick open a door you're trying to shut, because everybody knows what that looks like, and that is that is not a good place to be when you walk off the beaten path. So, um, very very exciting to see God working and moving and in the end, all of us can say, yeah, we, we, we really, we walked through the door, but we really didn't have anything to do with this. This is totally God, mm-hmm. you know? So it, it, even though we have experience in different elements and different fields within that that Intel community or whatever, it, it's just beautiful because we can just turn around and say, even though I'm talented, even though I have experience, you're the one that gets the glory because you're the one that made it happen. So it was it's always exciting to see that and that really kind of led into what i felt we need to talk about today regarding um you know hard lines being drawn you know god solidifying people so but it it was a good week it was a good week i i could wax long but it just again it's just so cool to see god move mm-hmm. and and do the things even though they're little things they're still impossible things mm-hmm. and all those little pieces got to fall into place perfectly for to move forward in different elements so it just really really exciting so that was my week
1: that's awesome i saw some similar stuff as well and i've talked about this you you recommended and i, I kind of want to dra- drive this point home because you kind of say stuff and then you know when i finally go listen to it i'm like oh man he was on point and he says it so casually but there's a lot more packed into that and you you know you've casually mentioned on this podcast oh yeah you should listen to nancy missler's you know way of agape and i i bought the book and i've been reading it at night and if you've ever read a missler book versus listen to them teach it there's a big difference huge uh, and, and not and not in a bad way it's, i, I th- i'm doing both but i f- i finally got around to downloading her audible way of agape and i just i just want to say for everybody listening right now spend if you don't have an audible subscription like i do i just pay 15 bucks a month because i listen to that many books a year spend the whatever $15 download that book the audible book because Nancy's teaching the idea and she's a really good storyteller listen to it it has been a game changer and the stuff they got us done just this week in just the miracles i've seen in my family and my own life and just some amazing stuff that got us done it is you know i think the misslers had a very unique gift as a couple obviously chuck was a phenomenal bible teacher but nancy understood the application of scripture and she had an ability to take symbolism and things that god buried in the scripture and and make them very practical and i excuse me i look at the kingdom power and glory as being like the why and the what of Christianity. And the way of agape is the how. If you've ever found yourself in a situation and you're like, I don't know how to give this to God. I don't know how to to let this go. I don't know how to move forward. I don't know how to love God. I don't know how to love people. The way of agape unlocks all of that. And she does so in a very powerful way because what she does is she goes through and she explains how the temple is symbolic of human beings. And I mean, the Bible says that, that our body is the temple. And so what they do is they unlock what the symbolism is in the temple. And, and God uses a lot of, I mean, a lot of Old Testament was symbolic for the new covenant. I mean, the tabernacle, if you break it down, it's its so symbolic of Jesus. And so they do a good job breaking that down. But the thing that I think was most profound is she walked through in, in the Audible file, in the Audible book, chapter seven, the ritual that the priests had to go through before they could enter the most holy place and, and, or not, excuse me, not the most holy place, but the holy place, uh, the whole, not the holy of holies. That was only the high priest once a year, but this is, you know, where the priest did their, their, you know, ministry and that process that they had to go through is, Was symbolic of the process that we as new covenant believers need to go through when God is saying, This is something in your life I need you to give up. And that four, there she breaks down a four step process. And I'm not a person who's a big like, do this thing, you know, like this is your formulaic Christianity, because I don't think Christianity is formulaic. But in this case, this is a process that God laid out for us to follow. This is a biblical process where it says, you know, these are the things that you, the steps that you should take. And I'm telling you, if you've found yourself feeling like you're dealing with something, you're in a cyclical thing where you repent you and you pick it back up again, you repent and you're just kind of back and forth and back and forth and you can't let go of something, that book right there will change everything. And it, it's, I, I just can't, you you said that so casually, like, oh yeah, you should read Nancy Mrs. Way of Agape. Like, no, 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 no. Like, stop, pause this podcast right now, hit the pause button, go download that book and listen to it, it's worth every penny And it will transform it's been radical it's been radical just seeing what the holy spirit has done and and, you know boils down to this you know these are people who had a lifetime of of serving jesus and and god broke them in many painful ways i mean they almost got divorced and they lost everything in a bankruptcy and you know god did a lot of things to produce the fruit in their life that 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 he did and um you know i I, call me crazy or call me lazy but i'd kind of rather learn this stuff by getting it through my head and then behaving rather than going through the school of hard knocks yes, to get there. And so I want so. I would very much like to learn their lessons without <laughs> having to go through those things. Now God may put me through them anyway, because I need that. But my point being, you know, we should learn from other wise Christians who have, who have you know, God has done amazing things through their lives. And, and man, that book has been a game changer.
0: Hey, I'm gonna start out, jump from that into the Psalm because I think everything we're talking about, right, ultimately comes down to who gets the glory?
1: Mm, yeah,
0: you know what I mean very, very yeah. much in, in all of these things the the cyclical process that we're trying to break, um yes, it can be frustrating dealing with sin, yes, it can be like, oh my gosh, why why, why am I struggling? blah blah, blah, blah blah. Name whatever it's situation. ultimately, our primary focus needs to be the praise and glory of God, and everything that we do is yes. to his praise and glory. and so we we don't want to do these things to be a better christian right. we we seek to break these cycles because we want to bring praise, glory and honor to the King of Kings. And all, everything that we do in our actions, the reason that we make the decisions that we do within our life, within our jobs, within whatever you name, should be to bring praise and glory and honor to him. Um, there's a TikTok I saw by this one kid that was absolutely phenomenal. And if I if I can pull it up while Tiana's talking at some point, I'm going to. Um, because I think it it, it hits, the point about the the position of our hearts in everything, mm-hmm. this idea, and this was something that my buddy and I were talking about yesterday after you know we're getting ready to leave on the at the airport, and we both obviously we had quite a couple few hours with my plane getting laid, which was just a god thing, of course, because it allowed us to really have a three hour good deep long conversation, which we don't normally get to have, mm-hmm. and this uh, this idea. Of and I think I've mentioned it on the podcast before, the separation of the sacred and the secular, and the that it is there for the Christian, there is no secular right there shouldn't be right everything is sacred every moment that we have is sacred this you know i'm I'm granted I could say I'm still young I'm about to turn forty, you know, but I mean look how fast we get there. Mm -hmm. And again, I was talking to him. It's like, dude, we've known each other for seven years. And I met him in Syria. And that was a whole happenstance. Like, just, Just so everybody can understand the story, I ended up having to go out of Syria into Jordan. And at the time, I wasn't sleeping, right? I might get two hours of sleep a night, three hours of sleep a night, maybe. Wasn't good sleep. So two in the morning, I'm like, okay, not sleeping. So I guess I'm going to the chow hall, get some midnight chow, get some coffee. And as I walk in, I see him sitting there and he's like, can't sleep. I'm like, I don't sleep. It's like, ah, me neither. Let's hang out. <laughs> you know, I was I should have still been in Syria. He was doing whatever. And he could have been down at P Herb. He could, you know, he was at H5. I was at H five. And this random meeting at two thirty in the morning led to everything that's going on with us and and that we're getting to do and this relationship that's built and seeing him grow in the Lord and him because he grew up SDA, mm. uh Seventh day Adventist. Um, obviously him going into special forces, that 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 doesn't uh, that does, <laughs> right. that's not accepted well within right. that organization. But what's cool is that now with some things that we're working on, he's actually meeting with these people within that organization now and having discussions. So but it's it's just so cool that all of this developed on a happenstance meeting at two thirty in the morning because we couldn't sleep.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: You know, that we would say coincidence, no. We we know, as Dr. Chuck Mr. always says. Coincidence is not a kosher word, right? <laughs> right. <laughs> like God, God orchestrates because He knows and He understands. So it's just beautiful. All, all that's blossomed from that mm-hmm. <clears throat> to see. But but this this idea that our days are sacred, every moment mm-hmm. is sacred, and it's an opportunity to give glory and honor to the Lord. And you know, you, as you study Scripture, right? Th- this is the the thing I see. You know, we look at today in Christians, and you see those crazy Christians, the ones. And that I say crazy Christians labeled by other Christians, right? <laughs> right? They're so, oh, that's that, whatever. He's so amped about Jesus or whatever. But the fact of the matter is, as you study the, the Old Testament and the New Testament, those that are truly on fire for the Lord, their lives and their days were consumed with that relationship mm-hmm. and a constant looking forward. Mm-hmm. Like it, it enveloped, like the Lord enveloped everything within their lives, their lives centered around the Lord. You yeah. see that in ancient Jewish, ancient Jewish culture and how they raise their children. But that's Deuteronomy 6, right? As the, mm-hmm. as you wake up, as you walk by the way, as you lay down in bed, constant, like just constant meditation and speaking of the Lord and his ways and his word, because it really is the one thing that will keep you on the path and it keeps the focus on what it's supposed to be on, which is him. So yeah. well, all of that to say why I why I really feel Psalm 150 is what I'm about to read is what needs to be read so that we can really focus on on what matters yeah in all this
1: amen and and you know that's one thing just to reiterate what you're saying is that if there's a bible teaching that doesn't <clears throat> draw you closer to god that dra- doesn't draw you into a more intimate relationship with god then you know challenge that and that's that's the the last step in the fourth you know, the four steps that Nancy walks through that the priest went through, and that was to enter the holy place in worship, <laughs> enter in and worship, and, and you know, the whole point of, of a good, solid Bible teaching should be that you're, you know, there's there's a longing and a deeper intimacy between you and the Lord, and that's what every Bible teacher should lean towards, and I remember just listening to John Corson, you know, he just would say over and over again, take them to Jesus, take them to Jesus, take them to Jesus, take them to Jesus. <laughs> So uh, anyway, I could wax long, but I'll let you read your psalm.
0: Yeah. Uh, So I pulled it up. I'm going to share this. And before I read my psalm, I want us to hear this because I think it is so good. And it really encapsulates the position our hearts need to be at as we go to his word, as we meditate on him.
3: To be able to articulate high theology and and quote many scholars and uh, read church fathers, to preach and to hear sermons on Soli Deo Gloria, but to never know what it is, to burst forth with expressions of praise to God. Some of us are in danger. Dear Christian, is doxology absent from your life? Do you know what it is? to burst into expressions of praise. Does your heart doxologically engage when you sing praises to the Lord in corporate worship? When you read His word in the morning hours? When you go before Him in prayer? When you hear a sermon? How many of you are at risk of coming to this conference and hearing a few good sermons on Solideo gloria and leaving with nothing more than a few nuggets of
1: knowledge that you can
3: use in your next argument on Facebook?
0: I think that encapsulates it so well.
1: And- and- you you played that video before and it's so profound and i get goosebumps every time i listen to it but that is exactly nancy's point in the way of agape is that when you follow the when you when you you know god has a way that will when we Clean out the areas in our life that he wants to clean out, and we go through this process that he has established for us. That we can enter that place of worship, and I can just tell you, the Holy Spirit convicted me of something—you know, some resentment that I was holding onto—and and he said, "I want you to go through those four steps." And man, Paul, I had one of those worship sessions where you're just crying, and and it, it is exactly what he talked about. And I I I had to—I um, was finishing up nancy's book on my way back from dropping the dog off at the groomer and i got back and i sat in the driveway and i i just sat there and cried and worshiped the lord because it was like when when you finally get to that point where you lay your crap on the altar and you leave it there and you wash yourself in his word you can enter in the holy place and you can worship in a way that is just so profound and um god gave us the formula for that and man there's nothing nothing more powerful than those moments when you're worshiping him from just that depth of God, you are so incredible. And I'm just a numbskull. I walk around in in your goodness constantly. And I'm blind to it most of the time. In those moments where you're just still enough, be still and know that I am God. And 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 you can finally just stop being busy and stop carrying all this crap long enough to go, wow, God, you are truly magnificent. And shame on me for not being in this state of celebration of who you are more often. Anyway, sorry. Go and ahead. Read
0: yourself. Praise the Lord. Praise God in his sanctuary. Praise him in his mighty firmament. Praise him for his mighty acts. Praise him according to his excellent greatness. Praise him with the sound of trumpet. Praise him with a lute and harp. Praise him with the timbrel and dance. Praise him with stringed instruments and flutes. Praise him with loud cymbals. Praise him with clashing cymbals. Let everything that has breath praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. That, man, that that is just right there. Everything, you know, the 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 idea that our lives should be an expression of praise and worship to the Lord in everything that we do. And we can take joy in even the hard things because we, it, it, that in itself and walking that out is, is an ex, we can have as an expression of praise and glory to the Lord. You know, as I was talking with my buddy in the airport the other day, we were discussing some of the things that are going on on TikTok right now because very, very hard lines are getting set. And I think that while we do talk about TikTok, um quite a bit because we're posting on there or at least I am um it, it is very reflective of the culture right mm-hmm. like twitter and tiktok are kind of like the, the town meeting center you know mm-hmm. where everybody's going so we can get a good understanding of and a good thumb on the pulse of of what's going on by watching the trends watching what people are doing what they're saying how they're engaging um just that good pattern recognition but this idea as as some people say you know it's going to be boring like worshiping the Lord? What if I have to just worship the Lord for the <laughs> all eternity? And, and I don't think that we can truly grasp, again, you're dealing with a being, excuse me, you're dealing with a being that exists in at least 196,000 dimensions. You right. know, the, the apostle John walked with Jesus for three and a half years, three years or whatever. And when he saw the resurrected Christ, when he received the revelation, he fell down on his face as if he was dead. Well, what what do you think we are going to do? There There is, and I don't think that there is going to be this boredom. I, I think mm-hmm. that the the level of desire, like when you're actually facing the Lord, this desire of worship goes beyond just a mental thought of, I want to, or, hey, this is going to be fun. I think it's going to be this internal, just complete essence of, I am driven to, and mm-hmm. I cannot help it. And yet in that, it'll be joyous and amazing. You know, and we see this as men stand before the Lord, like Isaiah, John, that, you know, Isaiah cries out, I am a man of unclean lips and I live amongst a people of unclean lips. Like he was, it was more than just a mental acknowledgement of his position. It was a literal, just driven from his very core to cry that out. He could not help it in the presence of the Holy God. You know, so there's this idea that, we're so separate from and and we can't truly access and understand simply because we're here in this little three-dimensional space
1: yeah well to to reiterate that i want to read this scripture this comes from first corinthians 2 9 and you know the apostle paul's quoting a verse when he says this but as it is written i has not seen nor ear heard nor have entered into the heart of man the things which god has prepared for those who love him in other words you can't even begin to comprehend you you, yeah. you 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 the comprehension of what's in store for us is so great. And I've often heard <clears throat> Frank Turk say this, and I think this is a very true statement. You people say all the time, why doesn't God just show up and make it obvious and And you know, why doesn't he just reveal himself in a much more powerful way? Um, there's a whole logical fallacy behind that, but the point that Frank Turk makes is that God is so irresistible to us that we could not it our our free will. We would lose our full ability to choose in His presence because He's so overwhelmingly wonderful that you know humans in His presence we just melt at His goodness, and so there's that there's that bit of separation. So we do actually get to choose, and you know, to reiterate that I I know Paul, you've probably had experiences like this, but years ago I was in a hotel room praying and I had that moment where the presence of God just filled the hotel room. And it's unlike, I, I've never, I, I wouldn't have even known to experience something like this. Like I couldn't have made it up because it was so beyond my, it was so beyond my imagination that something like this could occur. And there was just this presence in the hotel room and this overwhelming sense came over me and i cannot there are not words to describe this i understand what paul meant when he was like i can't describe to you what i saw because the the it was so perfect it was so it was so loving it was it the depth of the love that i can't even begin to explain it to you but it was more delightful than any human experience i had ever had in my life there was there was nothing more nothing that even compared to what this was like. It was so, it was so unbelievably profound. And I, and I can understand like what, what Frank Turk is saying. Like I, you just melt. I just, it was just, it was just consuming. And I, I just sat there just in awe. And in that moment in the, in, in, in where I just believe it was like, you know, a a type of the Shekinah glory and in God's presence, you know, his just unfettered presence. And what was interesting, Paul is after that ended, this sensation that it left in me was so deep that the only thing I could think after that is I must dedicate my life to making sure as many people come to know this as possible because this was so amazing. I want every human being alive to experience this. Like that was the overwhelming sensation is that I I must do everything I can so that other people know this because this is what humans were made for. It was unlike anything I've ever experienced. And and to your point, when you are in that place, worship is, it is, it becomes so natural because it's so amazing you're just like wow i mean we do that on a micro level like we go get a good meal somewhere and we go tell all our friends right or we go to dollywood and have fun and we go tell our friends like man you got to go ride this roller coaster take that and amplify it beyond your wildest imagination and that is who god is and our state of worship will be such a natural outflowing of that that we will delight in that worship because it is so is so is so amazing um Anyway, I could go on that. I would like to read my psalm, but did you want to say anything before I jump into my psalm? I've been monologuing here for a minute. Psalm 19, the heavens declare the glory of God. The skies proclaim the work of his hands. Day after day, they pour forth speech. Night after night, they reveal knowledge. Without speech or language, without a sound to be heard, their voice has gone out into all the earth, their words to the ends of the world. In the heavens he has pitched a tent for the sun, like a bridegroom emerging from his chamber, like a champion rejoicing to run his course. It rises at one end of the heavens and runs its circuit to the other. Nothing is deprived of its warmth. The law of the Lord is perfect, reviving the soul. The testimony of the Lord is trustworthy, making the wise simple. Sorry, making wise the simple. The precepts of the Lord are right, bringing joy to the heart. The commandments of the Lord are radiant, giving light to the eyes. The fear of the Lord is pure, enduring forever. The judgments of the Lord are true, being altogether righteous. They are more precious than gold, than much pure gold. They are sweeter than honey, than honey from the comb. By them, indeed, your servant is warned, In keeping them is great reward. Who can discern his own errors? Cleanse me from my hidden faults keep your servant also from willful sins. May they not rule over me. Then I will be blameless and cleansed of great transgression. May the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be pleasing in your sight, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer.
0: I, I love that passage in the stance where it says, uh, making wise the simple, right? Because we, as we look, and this this kind of goes into, there. there's a massive fight going on at this moment and it's been going on for the last 200 years but even today on 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 social media and within scholarly circles this this higher critical scholarship this liberal theology that we can't trust the text right the bible is guilty until proven innocent and you know it says for the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing but to us who are being saved it is the power of god for it is written i will destroy the wisdom of the wise and bring to nothing the understanding of the prudent Where is the wise? Where is the scribe? Where is the disputer of this age? Has not God made foolish the wisdom of this world? For since in the wisdom of God, the world through wisdom did not know God. So the saying, hey, look, through their own wisdom, they didn't know God, but it pleased God through the foolishness of the message preached to save those who believe. You know, this, because this reason this is important is because the world and the scholarship is going to tell you, you can't trust this text. Right. You've got the Dan McClellans that say, oh, Deuteronomy, and that's that's just propaganda, Jewish propaganda that was developed to give reasons why they might be kicked out of the land or whatever. Right. This now, if you're a Christian and you trust Jesus, Jesus authenticates Moses as the writer of the Torah. Right? Very important. So if, if you try if you if you don't trust Jesus, you have a lot bigger problems in your life than whether or not Moses wrote the Torah. <clears throat> but uh, J.G. Machen, as I was listening to his book on liberal theology, on liberal liberalism, you know, J.G. Machen was kicked out of, I believe, his seminary. He was kicked out of his denomination because he fought the liberals, mm-hmm. right? And it does seem scholarly. It does seem high-minded. You read higher critical scholarship, and it's mind-numbing. Mm-hmm. Um, it's the way some of them talk is very, dear heavens. And it's not that we don't understand it. It's that it's almost like scholarship for the sake of scholarship. If mm-hmm. if any, and if anybody understands what that means, it's yeah but the reality is people people are being solidified in their positions and we can see this what was very interesting to me is is i'm watching patterns even a couple years ago when i was first initially getting onto TikTok, going into these lives of skeptics were watching them and seeing the things that they were saying while some were were still they were kind of hostile um I'll, there were many who were questioning they were de- they deconstructed or they were atheists but you could have good conversations with them they were open they were really they seem to be truly seeking
2: mm-hmm.
0: answers, and as I've watched over these last couple of years, what's been interesting is even when given evidence that they asked for, they would say, well, it's still not enough to convince me and I've watched these people go from this you know like questioning like they were happy to be an atheist they were you know kind of proud to say i'm a decon I'm deconstructed blah 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 but to now, I've watched them to go straight to mocking mm-hmm. and even to the extent where some of them are dressing like Jesus and I am the Messiah and like this and just full on mocking Jesus, uh, Mm -hmm. dressing and, and pretending to be Christians but acting as stupid as possible to get in a fight with atheists, just, you know, but, but ultimately the goal is to mock Christians and mock Christianity Mm -hmm. and mock Jesus. And so it's been very interesting to watch this over this, these couple of years to watch them get solidified into that, to get, watch them get like, God's like, okay, you, you want to be this way. Oh, you're going to be this way. You know, this mm-hmm. is where we need to understand that there is this, there is such a thing as judicial hardening.
2: Mm-hmm. There
0: is a there is a thing such as judgment.
2: Mm-hmm. You know,
0: where God gives you over to what you want.
2: Mm-hmm. You
0: know, one of the arguments that many deconstructionists say is, "Oh, God sent a lying spirit to Ahab. He like allow he, he he spoke through the, he gave them the false prophets." It's like, no, 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 no. You can't mm-hmm. start in the middle there. You don't get to start in the middle. Right. Right. These people openly rejected God's prophets and even said, I don't like that guy. Right. Mm-hmm. He's, he speaks nothing but bad about me. And so, what does God do? He says, fine, I will give you what you want. Mm-hmm. I'm happy to. So, this doesn't come out of an arbitrary decision by the Lord. This comes as a ramification of these people's decision. And God chooses in his holiness and in his justice to say, This is your consequence. Mm -hmm. This is how I will bring judgment upon you. And he, as the righteous judge of the universe, is fully, has every right to do that within his power and to see that carried out in whatever way. And ultimately, all it is, is him giving people what they want. Mm -hmm. And that's what a lot of these people don't like. If you listen to them, that's what they don't like. Mm -hmm. They don't like that there are bad consequences. They don't like that God actually gives these people what they want and therefore bad things happen. But there are consequences, eternal consequences to the things that we do. And there comes a point as we study the text of scripture, there comes a point where, especially as we study Israel, mercy, 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 mercy upon the nation, then they reach a point of no return. Mm -hmm. And then even though they may repent, even though good things happen, judgment is still coming. Now, an example is going to be Manasseh, right? And and this kind of goes back to what I talked about. Actually, I'm going to start with Hezekiah because and because this all kind of flows together, right? For us as Christians, but then also for the non-believers. Because as I mentioned, right, we don't want to kick down doors that God shut. Mm-hmm. Right. And and this idea of trusting the Lord. And what really brought this to my mind was as I was talking to my buddy the other day, um, his his mom had terminal cancer, brain cancer at one point. And they you know, the family, he's like, maybe it was selfish of us. We, we really wanted her to live. She wanted to live. The pastors came, they anointed her with oil, they prayed over her and she got like, granted, she went through chemo and all that stuff, but but she was healed. But the remainder of her life, there was a lot of th- bad things that happened. And then she also struggled because of brain damage. And he said, you know, she probably would have been a lot better off avoiding that. And God probably knew the things that were going to occur in her family and her if she survived this and it probably would have been better if she just passed away and the Lord just knew better. And this goes to Hezekiah, you know, Hezekiah in second he- uh, Kings 20, it says in those days, Hezekiah was sick and near death. And Isaiah, the prophet, the son of Amos, went to him and said to him, thus says the Lord set your house in order for you will die and not live. Then he turned his face toward the wall and prayed to the Lord. Remember now, O Lord, I pray how I walked before you in truth with a loyal heart, and have done what is good in your sight. And Hezekiah wept bitterly. Now, so he's basically, hey, I've been a good king. I've (laughs) worshipped you. I've honored you. I've brought revival. And it happened before Isaiah had gone out into the middle of the court that the word of the Lord came to him saying, return and tell Hezekiah, the leader of my people. Thus says the Lord, the God of David, your father. I have heard your prayer. I have seen your tears. Surely I will hear you. In the third day, you shall go up to the house of the Lord. So in this, right, you're going to die. And in, and in a sense, I love what Walter, Walter Martin says about this. He says, God is basically saying, I will make an object lesson of you mm-hmm. for all time so that people understand what happens when you don't trust me and my judgment. Mm-hmm. For that, I will let you live. And then we see the Babylonian, Babylonian envoys come in and he shows him all of his house, everything in it. And Isaiah comes and says, what did you see? You know, what they see?" He says, I, I showed him everything. And he says, behold, the days are coming when all that is in your house and what your fathers have accumulated until this day shall be carried to Babylon. Nothing will be left, says the Lord. And they shall take away some of your sons who will descend from you, whom you will beget, and they will become eunuchs in the palace of the king of Babylon. So Hezekiah says to Isaiah, the word of the Lord, which you have spoken is good. For he said, (laughs) will there not be peace and truth, at least in my day? So he he, he consigns himself like, hey, the word of the Lord, it's good. But at the same time, it's like, it'll at least be good in my day. Yeah. But this occurred because of Hezekiah lived. And then something even worse. When you get to Manasseh, it says Manasseh was 12 years old when he became king. The single worst despot to sit on the throne of Judah, sacrificed his children to Moloch, brought in a massive idolatry, tons of things. Manasseh began to reign when he was 12. Hezekiah got 15 years. Manasseh came because Hezekiah lived an additional three years mm-hmm. so again because he just didn't trust the lord manasseh came and we know that after that manasseh did repent but when we look at second chronicles right what does it say like josiah he has this big revival and it says he had, he was of all the kings no nobody turned their heart to the lord like josiah but in second chronicles 34 uh, they go to the prophetess because they've, they've, they're have they've repenting. They're going to the law of the Lord. They're reinstituting everything. And she says, thus says the Lord, behold, I will bring calamity on this place and on its inhabitants, all the curses that are written in the book, which they have read before the king of Judah. And that goes back to Deuteronomy 28 and the covenant mm-hmm. at Sinai, what they, what they agreed to as the people of the Lord on if we follow the Lord and if we don't follow the Lord, the blessings will come or the cursings will come. And the cursings mm-hmm. take up the majority of the chapter and they're pretty dadgum horrific. Because they have forsaken me and burned incense to other gods, that they might provoke me to anger with all the works of their hands. Therefore, my wrath will be poured out on this place and not be quenched. But as for the king of Judah, who sent you to inquire of the Lord in this manner, you shall speak to him. Thus says the Lord God of Israel concerning the word which you have heard because your heart was tender and you humbled yourself before God, when you heard his words again this against this place and against its inhabitants, and you humbled yourself before me and you tore your clothes and wept before me, I also heard you, says the Lord. Surely I will gather you to your fathers and you shall be gathered to your grave in peace. And your eyes shall not see all the calamity which I will bring on this place and its inhabitants. So they brought back the word of the king. So even though they repented,
2: Mm-hmm. Even though
0: Josiah brought in these massive reforms, ultimately it judgment was still coming mm-hmm. because of what they'd reached a point of no return. We see this in Matthew 12, as you study, right? In Matthew 12, multiple times, like Jesus is demonstrating that he is the Messiah, right? He's saying, preach, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand, all of these things. And then he heals a demo- a person that was demonically possessed that was mute, couldn't speak. And so what did the rabbis do well basically part of the problem here is the rabbinic way of exercising a demon was to get its name and cast it out by uh its name Mm. they couldn't so therefore they could not cast out a mute demon or a demon that caused somebody not be able to speak so here jesus does something that only the messiah could do well what do they do they have a choice okay major things happening guys we can either acknowledge him or we can turn tail tuck and run the other way what do they do Mm. They attribute his works to Satan. Then what happens? Then that's when Jesus begins to speak in parables so that they don't understand. So he said, right, to the, um to those who have more will be given. To those who have not, what he has will be taken away. And so we see this point of no return where they've rejected enough, they've denied him enough, they've attributed his works to Satan to where it's like, okay, judgment is coming. And then ultimately this culminates in Luke 19 with the um the presentation of the Messiah on the donkey, right? That I mean, mm-hmm. so all of the, this is leading to that culmination where they ultimately reject him on the day prophesied that the Messiah would present himself and in the manner he presents himself. And he says, if you had known, even you, especially in this your day, the things that make for your peace, but now they're hidden from your eyes. Mm-hmm. For the days will come upon you when your enemies will build an embankment around you, surround you and close you in on every side and level you and your children within you to the ground. And they will not leave you, leaving you one stone upon another because you did not know the time of your visitation. So we see this progression where there's mercy, mercy, opportunity, 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 no more chances. It's too late. Mm-hmm. Gi- judgment's coming. You will continue to reject. I will still do things that present me as the Messiah. But at this point, judgment is going to come. Mm-hmm. And, and basically it's that, okay, you, you don't want to believe. Now you can't. I will give you over. I will make it so you can't believe right so we need to look at this very seriously not just from a believer standpoint but from as we watch the unbeliever and the reason that is because what is very interesting as i again watching TikTok, watching the trends the irrationality of a lot of these people you know i've been getting into it with uh that one higher critical scholar dan mcclellan right
1: demon possessed. Demon, yeah. Yeah. anti kingdom um, of God. And and it's one of those things
0: yes. like, you know, and there's a whole host of things that go into this, right? Because he can just cite scholarship and say, oh, see, you're wrong. Or he can talk about, well, it's just, that's, that's wrong. And I don't, we don't, and I even saw it like people within these, uh, we don't accept these resources that are biased, blah, 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 blah. Right. Um, again, it goes back to and and then I I made this one TikTok uh, responding to him, going in depth into very solid scholarship on demonstrating the falseness and how they twist data, and all. And he actually made a comment to me in the and he said and he basically stomped his foot and was mm-hmm. upset that I did it. Um, that that was really what he did in his comment. He's like, "You you just did what I said you were going to do." Meanwhile, I'm quoting very very well respected scholars on the subject. Um, and. What was interesting is seeing in that comments people saying "I stand with Dan." It's like, whoa, interesting. So, so, so here, right? It's it's more what what we would see say in that is like this. This is more than just saying, "Hey, let's look at the data. Let's mm-hmm. examine what is true." There, like, oh no, we're so we're solidifying on sides. And mm-hmm. I would say what's interesting to watch is is the vitriol towards Christians, mm-hmm. the like the the hatred because some of these comments and and. Not that I care, if I don't. But <laughs> the amount of absolute hatred is is it's getting very visceral,
2: mm-hmm. and yes. we
0: shouldn't be surprised, right? Because ultimately, we know that men love the darkness rather than the light.
2: Yes, yeah.
0: And there is an understanding internally, and I, and I really feel like some of these guys who are mocking Jesus, they've they've deconstructed, they've gone to school. I given. As I watch them, I really feel, you know, and I'm not a presuppositional apologetic guy. Mm-hmm. Like where it's just like, oh, you know truly in your heart that God is there. Like, you yeah. know, yes, we, we do know this, like there is suppression, but but to just say, you know, you truly know, because I think that's a very frustrating place to be if you're actually trying to have dialogue and that mm-hmm. person is just sitting there telling you that. But I truly believe some of these people truly do know within their hearts this is true and mm-hmm. they don't like it. They mm-hmm. they have they have because they They want that sin. They want to live that life that they are living. And they darn well know. And so they do what what most children do. Rather than just be like, I'm just gonna move this way, they lash out as Mm -hmm. as, you know, almost irrationally against what they know to be true. Mm Mm-hmm. So
1: That's what the Pharisees did to Jesus. Yeah,
0: exactly. (laughs) I mean, to to the point, like, and uh, just let's think about this. Let's, let's, I think that talking about rationality is is very good here. Jesus raised Lazarus from the dead. Okay. This, now this is a miracle in itself, but what makes it even more of a miracle is that under rabbinic tradition, the soul would rest around the, would stay around the body for three days. Once it's the fourth day, it goes to Sheol. So, you know, if, if Jesus brought him, Lazarus back from the dead during that first three days, Okay, soul was this, the soul was still there. But to take it up from Sheol, that is a massive lead. Again, mm-hmm. demonstrating who he truly was. So what was the rationale? Like how rational were the, were the religious leaders of first century Israel? They plotted to kill Lazarus.
1: Right, after like, he like, was resurrected. Like, yeah. think, think,
0: think about that. Think about how irrational it is. This man resurrected a guy. This should demonstrate who he is. And they seek to kill the guy he resurrected because it validates his claims as the Messiah. Yes. You know, so again, it goes back to like we as Christians, we can trust the text of scripture. There are plenty, there's lots of historical, archaeological, internal, external evidence to demonstrate the validity of the text. And one of the things that Dr. Joshua Berman discusses in his uh, one book, uh, It Consistencies in the Torah, uh, he's a he's a he's a rabbi he's not messianic but um he goes very deeply through the fact that critical scholarship doesn't just ignore but actively suppresses at the evidence that allows for text to be dated earlier mm-hmm. because all of their arguments are based around a later dating so mm-hmm. if there's evidence that hey this this actually what basically saying this proves that the Bible came about in the way it claims to come about. Mm-hmm. At the time period, it claims to come about. They, they suppress that willingly.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: So, you know, who's being honest here? And it, again, we can trust the text. We can trust that Jesus is who he claimed to be. Mm-hmm. You know, that, and again, it goes back to if, if, we, if you don't trust Jesus, you've got a lot bigger problem than who wrote which book of the Bible. If there were one or two Isaiahs, you know, and I think that it's so cool. Again, just the design of the text, God anticipates false teaching, Mm -hmm. even in his word. So for an example, there is an idea within critical scholarship that there were two Isaiahs and they look at grammar, vocabulary, subject matter, ignoring the fact that Isaiah's ministry was over 40 years and four or five Kings. So if I'm compiling a document that spans that amount of time, I I think I'm probably going to have different vocabulary and discuss different subject (laughs) just just that's just me could be crazy but um but what's so interesting is that john in the book of john john quotes from second isaiah and then he says and isaiah said again and then he quotes from first isaiah demonstrating that even that john is saying this is the same isaiah so the whole deutero isaiah theory theory which was developed by schrodinger whatever his name is was anticipated in the book of john yeah like that—that that is the level of exactness of the text. It, it just it, to me that's just beautiful.
1: But yeah, anyway,
0: I—I well, I, I know I wax long, but look, here's the reality when it comes to this, and why I went over these texts, because lines are being drawn. Mm-hmm. We know a lot is happening this year. We see this occurring um, in our pol- our political landscape. Mm-hmm. The the one thing that really stuck out to me was the Christmas tweet with the video in the White House of drag queens.
1: Oh yeah, that was terrible. Mm-hmm.
0: Now. The reason that that stuck out so strongly to me was because as the leadership goes, so goes the nation. So even though there are righteous people in the nation, that is a reflection of the heart of the nation, mm-hmm. right? We saw this in in the uh, poll or what is it? The, the research where yes, 68% of people claim to be Christian, but only 33% claim to be born again. And then there's, you know, so mm-hmm. there's this whole, uh, the, our nation is not a Christian nation mm-hmm. by any stretch of the imagination. And, and. Seeing that at that level within the White House just demonstrates to me God is really handing our nation over and we are well overdue for judgment. I don't revel in this. This is not fun to state. I've been to war. My buddies have been to war. We discuss mm-hmm. these things. It's not a fun thing, especially to experience the judgment of God. And we mm-hmm. don't know how that's going to be played out. But when you're talking that level of evil within the White House, it is that is just a demonstration of God giving us over. And at that point, there's no stating how far down we're going to go and how evil things are going to get. And so watching all that, we should not be surprised as we watch people be solidified. And here's mm-hmm. the thing too, that we were discussing yesterday. Yes, scholarship, whatever. However, what is said in Luke 16 with the rich man and Lazarus? Because if we remember, Lazarus had gone to Abraham's bosom and the rich man had gone to the the side of Sheol where there was suffering. Um, because he was a non-believer. But this, the rich man, he is wanting Abraham to send Lazarus back to say, hey, tell my family, like, I beg you uh, that you would send Lazarus to my father's house, for I have five brothers that he may testify to them, lest they also come to this place of torment. Abraham said to him, they have Moses and the prophets, let them hear them. He said, no father, Abraham, but if one goes to them from the dead, they will repent. He says, if they do not hear Moses and the prophets, neither will they be persuaded, though one rise from the dead. Mm -hmm.
2: You
0: know, this is (laughs) right. Exactly. Lazarus, like Lazarus, like, and this is not that Lazarus. But the fact of the matter is, is right there, it demonstrates, hey, if they're not going to hear the word. They're not going to hear everything else, right? Even if a miracle happens, because as we've seen over and over and over, and I'm sure that many of you have seen this, where you will give people the very information they ask for. And they're like, Mm -hmm. still not good enough
1: yeah well they're are excuses you know you said a lot there paul and i'd like to summarize some of the key things that you said because i think they're really important so one of the things you talked about is you know the decision that hezekiah made to not accept the word of the lord but instead push against it had ramifications and consequences i mean this is we saw this with abraham and, and ishmael as well and we're dealing with the consequences of ishmael still to this day i mean if you want to know where the heart of the palestinian or you know hamas and israel <laughs> issues began. It began with, you know, Abraham's disobedience with Ishmael. But guarding your heart, it's Proverbs 4.23, above all else, guard your heart, for it is the wellspring of life. And be, be cautious, Christian, as to what you set your heart on. And the best example that you know i can give you again this is the way of agape is going to really give you the tools to clean out your heart and just like we read at the end of of psalm 19 you know search me and know me see if there's any hidden you know hidden way within me who can discern his errors but you know jesus when he's praying right before the crucifixion in matthew chapter 26 you know 39 he's very honest with god and that's one of the things i love about the way of agape is that nancy just challenges you to to be honest with God about how you're feeling. And, and you know, as she reminds us, it's not what you feel that's sin, it's what you do with what you feel that makes it sin. Yeah. And so in here in verse 39, going a little farther, he fell face down and prayed, speaking of Jesus, My Father, if it is possible, let this cup pass from me. So Jesus admits, like, listen, <laughs> I know what's coming. It's not gonna be a it's gonna be a horrific experience. But this is this is the key right here. Yet not as I will but as you will, and that is the difference. And, and you know, I've heard C.S. Lewis say, you know, that it, you know, at the end, you're gonna say, you know, Father, your will be done or my will be done. And, you know, what you're saying is, you know, be cautious about what you set your will against because when you choose to set your will against what God has for you, he's gonna give it to you and it's not going to be what you think it is because no. you don't have the wisdom, you don't have the insight, and most importantly, God is love. When he when he determines something, it is from a place of love. And I mean, it's just like we've all been there with children where they want something that's not good for them. I want to stay up too late. I want to eat the cookie. I want to play in the street, whatever it is. And you say no. And they don't understand that your no is not because you're mean. It's not because you're the fun police. It's because you understand the consequences of their decision better than they do. And it's from a place of love that you say no. And so, you know, be cautious about what you set your heart on because You know when god says no it is from a place of love when god says left and not right it is from a place of love when god says do this don't do that or you know do it it, there is love behind that and so you know what jesus prayed not as i will but as you will so i think that was one of the first points that you make and i think that was really important but then the other point that you make is romans chapter one there's going to come a point when god has Done, you know everything he can, and he says, "Okay, now the best course of action is for me to withdraw and let them go into it." And, and Corinthians yep. addresses this when Paul says, "You know, expel the immoral brother from among you," because his point is, let them suffer, let them deal with the consequences, in hopes that that suffering causes them to go exactly like the prodigal son. You're wallering around with the pigs, going, "Wait a minute, <laughs> the servants in my father's household have it better than I do. What am I doing?" you know, wallowing with the pigs. And so the idea is that God gives us over it, You know, it's 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 again from a place of love. It's that last ditch. OK, fine. You know what? You don't want me. Then go see. Go have what it is that you want. And again, his entire motivation behind that is that these people would eventually come to a place where they're like, what am I doing? <laughs> and and some of them won't. Some of them won't. And, and they're you know, that that decision is too late. Like you said, Paul, you know, once certain things have happened, there's a turning point and God has to do what God has to do. His justice and his mercy go hand in hand. You cannot separate one from the other. So I think that's the other thing, is that there will come a point of no return. And again, it is from God's mercy and it is from God's justice that those places of and points of no return exist. It's not because God's mean. And, you know, this is ultimately a Christ-rejecting world has believed the lie from the enemy that God is a mean bully. And, you know, instead, they worship the mean bully (laughs) to stand up to, you know, the life-giving God of the universe. It's, I, I mean, I sit here and I think. Well, the side that you're on is actually the cl- very thing you claim to hate. I mean, it's listening. It's interesting when you listen to uh, um, Richard Dawkins in, in the God Delusion, and he starts off by, you know, naming God. He's a masochistic, overarching, jealous bully, and I'm like, no, actually, that's Satan. You just described Satan, and that's who you're serving. And you're so uh, you're so entrenched in your sin that you don't understand that the thing you claim to hate is the very thing you're worshiping. So, you know, there's that. But th- then the other thing I would say that you know, Romans chapter one, you reminded us of Romans chapter chapter one the Bible tells us what's going to happen with these things Um, but the other thing Paul that I just wanted to to put out there and I'd like you to comment on this because I think this is important then there comes a point where Jesus says and this is exactly the point that you were making once they accused Jesus of casting out demons in the name of Beelzebub he switched to parables because there's a principle in the Bible do not cast your pearls before swine Yep. And there's a principle in that. And so I think that's the other thing is that you're going to reach a point as Christians, we are never to lose hope. I mean, that hope is hope is the gift that God gives us, right? We learned this last week from Romans chapter five, suffering, perseverance, character, hope. We're never to lose hope that that somebody is beyond God's redemption. Um, I was telling you a story this morning, Paul, of somebody in my life who, and I didn't tell you this part, uh, my father had been praying for, for a very long time. And when, When my father was a young man, he was praying, you know, crying out in prayer for for this person, and the Holy Spirit just came and spoke to him and said, I will redeem him. Well, he has at eighty seven years old. Forty five years old. 45 years later. And so it took 45 years but God kept his promise. And so my point being this we're to never lose hope but there comes a point when God says don't cast your pearl before swine. And you just have to just let God do what God's going to do. And so I'd like to get your I'd like to get your input on that not casting your pearl before swine because I think sometimes th- that can be misunderstood and misconstrued.
0: Yes. So when we look at this, right? Um, so for example, when I'm on TikTok and I'm mm-hmm. addressing Dan or whomever, right? It's kind of that, I'm not doing it to convince you. Cause I know for a fact, like guys like that or whoever, I'm. To, most likely I'm not going to convince them. I might convince a skeptic. I might give something where somebody says, hmm, okay, maybe maybe there's something there to what he's saying, right? My job that God has been very clear on is to equip the body and just get them lit up, get them active, call them, call them to the mission and the ministry and Make sure that they're equipped with what they need, mm-hmm. right? So <clears throat> I'm not going to sit there and when I'm throwing pearls before a swine, it's me sitting there just trying to throw the same thing out over and over, trying to convince Dan,
2: mm-hmm. right?
0: Trying to convince the person that doesn't care. We've all seen these people that we've dealt with where you're even even Christians. Well, right? You're, you're like, mm-hmm. come on, guy. And you dedicate all this time trying to get this person up and running and they really don't care. But then you've got these, this one or, you know, so you, 10 people over here that don't really care, but you've got this one or two people over here, man, they're yeah. amped. They're ready to go. But you're, you're wasting all that time on these people over here. That's casting your pearls before, before swine, mm-hmm. especially when you're dealing with the non-believers, you know, you give them truth, you give them truth, you give them great nuggets. And then they just turn around and mock you and, and, you know, whatever. Right. Um, that's what that is. Wasting your time. Like you are. We are called to give a defense for the gospel, right? I'll be ready to give an answer to everyone who asks about the hope that is within you. We give those answers. We present the truth, but my time is not wasted because ultimately I'm not trying to convince Dan McClellan. I'm not trying to convince the tribe of Dan and all his followers. I'm not trying to convince deconstruction Justin, mm-hmm. right? They, they've made their decisions. And if God does something insane to bring about their repentance and crushes them in some way to bring that about. Awesome. Great. Praise God. I do pray for them. But the reason I'm putting these things out is not for them. The reason I'm putting these things out is to strengthen the body, yes. to know that they can trust the text, to know that mm-hmm. we can trust the Lord and what he has written in his word and who he mm-hmm. is. So when you're dealing with that, you know, it's that motivation behind that.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Now, if I'm just arguing with Dan to argue with Dan or whomever, right, even on the street or, or the non-believer, like when I was dealing with uh. At, in in the military at times, and you're having those conversations, like taking all that time to just keep giving them that, when all they're going to do is turn around and mock it, or or just ignore it and don't really care. That's throwing your pearls before swine, you know. Yeah. So so, yeah. I, I love what Dan Bongino says. He's like, I don't have these conversations with leftists to convince the leftists. I have these conversations so that everybody hears can really see what's going on
1: yeah well and it's why christians engage in debates because it helps them see that there is a counter argument to every argument yes. and and it gives that other perspective and that's why i love apologetics so much because you know you you if you hear only one side of the argument you're not empowered be it either side right like if you just hear the christian side and you don't hear the the atheist side then you're not empowered but when you hear both you're like oh man like there's it's like no contest right when you actually hold the evidence up there really is no contest but but I thought that was beautiful, and thank you for going in that explanation, Paul, because you, I think you're right. Where This is going to be the year where the line in the sand is drawn, and there's no more Switzerland. You have to choose a side. And you know, my encouragement to you, again, I'll, I'll say this again. I've said it a thousand times. Get Nancy Missler's book, The Way of Agape, because Proverbs 4, you need to be guarding your heart because we all have things in our lives and in our hearts that are set against God. And we need to deal with those. We need to deal with them, and we need to deal with them quickly, and we need to deal with them, you know, just succinctly, because we're going to enter into a time where we don't have the luxury of carrying around dead bodies and dead things in our life anymore, because we've got a battle to engage in, and we need to be entirely engaged in that battle. And Paul, you know this firsthand in the physical realm, which is, you know, a symbolic of what's happening in the in the in the spiritual realm. You cannot go into war as a soldier. either unprepared or with unnecessary junk weighing you down. You have to be present in on the battlefield and you have to let everything else go. You need to be where you are focused on the mission at hand and you cannot be distracted by things that detract from your ability to execute the mission. I mean, imagine if you had gone out on some of these missions and you had an extra 35 pounds worth of junk that you didn't need. What would that have done to you? Or if you hadn't had critical components that you needed, you know, having, two, having unnecessary junk or not having what you need, both are equally dangerous when you're engaging in warfare. True.
0: Very true. Speaking of equipping and warfare, um, I did get up on my page on Warriors Rising on the, under resources. There's a section called Islam. And it's got the Quranic concept of war. So people can understand the Quranic concept of war. I also put up a YouTube video that Tiana sent me. Um, it's a two-part series. It's called Dismantling Islam. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's two parts. It is, I, I mean, I lived in the Middle East. You know, I, I had a couple conversations with my buddies. Uh, you know, we lived over there. We studied Islam. We've we studied the culture. We lived in the culture. We'd never heard these things. And so this, this was very, very helpful um, to hear. And just, again, because Islam... Islam is on the rise mm-hmm. massively mm-hmm. Um, of the 10 million migrants that have come into our country over the last four years, a vast number of them are Muslim.
2: Yes. Jihadist. And military age males, not just Muslim, yeah. but
1: jihadist. yeah, yes. yeah.
0: Mm-hmm. So uh, it's, it's going to be interesting and it's sweeping across. It's completely sweeping across Europe. We, we know this, right? We see in the writings um, of their religious leaders, of course now my stuff's not going to come up and it's going to take forever but that's okay um when they're discussing what they're going to do in europe it says islam will rule and be lord of the world europe will be occupied christians will be defeated and that was 2005 sheik Qadari uh in his fatwa and then uh najmadin al uh, um he was the Ex-Turkish Prime Minister, you think we Muslim Turks come here only for employment and to gather crumbs of your money? No, we are coming here to take control of your country and by being rooted here and then building what we see as appropriate and all the way on all that with your consent and according to your laws. Mm-hmm. You know, because again, Islam is not just a religious system, it's a judicial, it's an economic system. Mm-hmm. And their whole goal, the true person follower of Islam, according to the Quran and the Hadith is always driving forward the expansion of Islam. So, you know, it goes again back to lines are being drawn and we've got to be solidified. Where are we going to stand? You know, and this is not me saying on a revolution side. This is on a spiritual side. Where do mm-hmm. you, brother and sister in Christ stand? Are you solid and locked into your position and what you are being called to do? So with that, that's my soapbox. That's my monologue. I That's what I got. So- On that note, we can move on to the news because there's a couple things that are kind of interesting.
1: You want to take the first one? Wait, let's find the one with the weirdest words, and I'm going to make you.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I I, I don't know. Is there one with really weird, weird weird words?
1: I can read the first one. I'll make you read the second one. How's that? Go for it all surrender blinken tells netanyahu israel can't defeat hamas from breitbart news secretary of state anthony blinken told israeli prime minister benjamin netanyahu last week that israel cannot defeat hamas that there is no military solution and that israel will have to accept a palestinian state netanyahu reportedly rejected the idea nbc news reported wednesday that blinken and biden and therefore are therefore trying to work around Netanyahu, the democratically elected is leader of Israel, in a departure from the Biden administration's posture as the supposed defender of democratic ideas. Blinken said to Netanyahu that ultimately there is no military solution to to Hamas, according to the officials, and that the and that and that the Israeli leader needs to recognize that, or history will repeat itself and violence will continue. But the official said Netanyahu was unmoved. The official said the Biden administration is trying to lay the groundwork with other Israeli and civil society leaders in anticipation of an eventual post Netanyahu government. In an attempt to work around Netanyahu, Blinken also met individually with members of his war cabinet and other Israeli leaders, including opposition leader and former prime minister, Yair Lapid, officials say. But Blinken faces two obstacles. One, that Israelis believe that they are, in fact, capable of winning the war and that they are going to do so. Two, Palestinians themselves do not want a state. More than more than that, they want to destroy Israel, meaning a state is doomed to fail. So, man, this this news article really shook me to the core that our our, our government is trying to go around, the Israeli government, to get a two-state solution. T- tell me Satan's in charge without telling me Satan's yeah.
0: in charge. Well, and this, again, <laughs> this goes back to Genesis, right? I will bless those who bless you and curse those who curse you, and... That that book demonstrating every time we have gone against Israel's right to the land, it does not it does not work well for us. Uh, In Joel two three, we've quoted this multiple times, but God states, "For behold, in those days and at that time, when I bring back the captives of Judah and Jerusalem, I will gather all nations and bring them to the valley of Jehoshaphat, and I will enter into judgment with them on account of my people, my heritage Israel, whom they have scattered among the nations." They have divided up my land. Again, this is God's land. He has given Israel the right to that land. And when we go against this, we are going against God. It goes back to the whole replacement theology and where the church stands on this. When you say that Israel is no longer God's chosen people, that the people in there are not the true Jews, whatever, you are sticking your finger in the eye of God and saying, you are a liar. There There is no softer way to say it. He is going to judge the nations based on their treatment of Israel. So as we see this, and as our nation and our leaders going against Israel's rights to the land, as we see them being fine with <clears throat> again, always starting in the middle, as if Israel's the ones that started this. Right. You know, and they talk about, oh, this since 48 and the massacre, you know, ignoring the Hebron massacre in 1929, ignoring all the other massacres on on Jews by the Arabs prior to 48, um, ignoring the fact, you know, they talk about. Kicking people out of the land, ignoring the hundreds and thousands of Jews that were kicked out of the Muslim countries after 40 and lost mm. everything, you know. So um, we should not be surprised, again, just to see the direction our country continues to go and probably pretty not very fun things occurring because we are going very strongly against Israel's right to the land. And again, and and going for that two state solution. So um, the next one is disease X. Governments are preparing for a scarier new pandemic. So I hope you all have your Copeland's COVID oral cavity cloaks prepped and ready to go. Uh, In June, a bipartisan bill was introduced to the House of Representatives to develop medical countermeasures for viruses with pandemic potential. We should probably make that a (laughs) t-shirt. I'm not even gonna lie. We should probably make that a Uh, t-shirt. Later later in June- or, or, or we actually get the masks and habits. <laughs> when the bill was introduced to the Senate, a section has been added suggesting a budget of $40 million per year for 2024 through 2028. The $40 million annually would be on the top of the 5% of our healthcare budget. We will be expected to pay the World Health Organization, assuming the pandemic accord passes. What is disease X? How likely are we to encounter it? And how concerned should we be? Back in 2018, the World Health Organization came up with the name Disease X as a placeholder for any disease that hadn't been discovered yet. The name Disease X gets thrown around in the press every few years for a few weeks at a time, stirring up fear of the next pandemic. In fact, the New York Times referred to COVID as Disease X in February, 2020, in a February, 2020 opinion piece. And while Disease X acts, while the Disease X Act of 2023 was introduced to Congress quietly over the summer, in the past week, Disease X fearmongering has been everywhere, just in time for the World Economic Forum's annual meeting in Davos. And I would say just in time for upcoming elections. On Wednesday, the World Health Organization chief, Dr. Tedros Ghebreyesus. This
1: is why I gave this one to you.
0: <laughs> we'll give a talk at Davos titled Preparing for Disease X, in which he will attempt to sell the world on the novel efforts needed to prepare healthcare systems for the multiple challenges ahead. The statement is based on the assumption that disease X will be far deadlier than COVID.
1: And there's other headlines out, and I didn't put them in here, you know, where basically they're saying because of global warming and the the different ice that's defrosting, viruses are coming out of the ice that have been frozen in time and they're going to be unleashed on the world, aka we have a lab in China where we've created a genetically modified virus to unleash on the world. And... You know, and um, there's some conspiracy theories, and it is still on the conspiracy theory side that that this new virus has a more deadly, it is very deadly and 100% uh, fatality rate amongst humanized lab mice. It's still conspiracy theory, but they've done it before, so we should, you know, what's the saying? Fool me once, shame on me, fool me twice, shame on, er, right. fool me once, shame on you, fool me twice, shame on me. So right. just, um, you know, keep your eyes open in case they try to polish. And, and we again. have to remember
0: the, the method of, uh, Oh, my goodness. Unconventional warfare? Yeah, it's not unconventional warfare, but Yuri Bezmenov discusses it. Um, Demoralization, destabilization, crisis, normalization. Mm, mm -hmm. So, again, this year, given everything going on, we shouldn't be surprised to see absolute insanity ensue
1: in whatever way that plays out. Do you want me to take this one? This was actually your story I stole from you. All right. Go for it. Elections will soon be a quaint relic of the past, says globalist Klaus Schwab, who points to AI as the coming king of democracy. So there's a big article around this, but I just wanted to put a small section in here. Uh, Leo Holman from his blog basically quotes this one section. Schwab then came with the globalist goods, making a stunning comment that will no doubt be buried in the mainstream media and Google search engines. Schwab said the next step digital technology would be to replace voters with ai and this is how he said it but then the next step should i said like schwab an evil dictator but then the next step i don't know i don't, I can't do a very good class accent <laughs> could be to go into prescriptive mode which means you do not even have to have elections anymore because you can already predict he said and afterwards you can say why do we need elections because we know what the result will be
0: they, one of the things that we definitely need to look at is while he's absolutely insane half Mm -hmm. the time, uh, the guy from Infowars, I can't remember his name.
1: Oh, um, Alex Jones? Alex
0: Jones. (laughs) One of the things that he did a very good job when he was on Tucker Carlson stating and demonstrating was, hey, the reason I've been able to predict all the things that have come about is because I read their papers. Right.
1: I'm just like, telling that, you what they say. Yeah. Exactly.
0: All all he's done is repeat what they've said they're going to do and based on that he's predicted, "Hey, this is going to happen because they said it's going to happen." So, one of these things that you do need to realize it's not conspiracy. Like these the things that these people talk about at this level of power globally do come to pass. And so they institute their plans and then put them in a, in motion through their vast influence networks because they're very wealthy. Mm-hmm. Um And they're different organizations. So again, like Daniel 7 says we move to a global system. Mm -hmm. Daniel's been right so far. There's no reason to think that he's going to be wrong leading up to the next step.
1: Well, and, and, you know, I just read Daniel 7 the other day, and I think something that we miss, if you don't. To go through it slowly he was terrified of the beast that he saw this this glass beast you you know if you remember he he goes into detail saying it was it was terrifying it was a very scary sight that daniel saw and i think if i'm if i'm remembering correctly he was sick in bed for a few days after seeing that vision yeah because it was so terrifying It, it disturbed him so much he said i laid sick in bed for a few days and then i got up and took care of the king's business
0: so on the next docket for us Texas has until the end of the day to stop blocking federal access to miles of US-Mexico border. Now, what we have is an invasion. I, any other nation, if you have over 10 million people come into your country, that is an invasion. There's against no other the way law. to say it.
1: Against the law. I, I, too. And it is yes. illegal
0: against the law. Well, the Biden administration has been allowing this. So that basically, you could say they're the ones that are base- just completely getting ready and prepped to destroy the country. and via- Allowing,
1: and, enabling, and abetting, <laughs> like. You. Sorry, my mind
0: was not working on that one. I could not get it out. Um, But basically, so they kicked out all the border patrol agents from the standpoint like you cannot operate here. We're sending in the National Guard, which is that state's right. Right. Mm -hmm. The federal government does not trump the state's rights, especially when it comes to the idea of security and the law. But As of yesterday, the Biden administration has given Texas until the end of Wednesday to stop blocking the U.S. Border Patrol's access to 2.5 miles along the U.S.-Mexico border. That includes the area where a woman and two children drowned after state authorities last week barred federal agents from the zone, according to Department of Homeland Security, letter Sunday exclusively obtained by CNN. The letter to Texas Republican Attorney General Ken Paxton says the state's actions have impeded operations. (laughs) <laughs> the operations of hey, we're gonna pick you up, throw you on a plane, and kick you out somewhere else in the country. Yeah. Child and sex are un-
1: trafficking, and are, human trafficking, yeah, yes. and
0: are unconstitutional. And it cites the deaths. It is not unconstitutional. And, and these people that drown in this river. Yeah, <laughs> it, it was.
1: It was not the result of anything that the Texas no. National Guard did, and that's been called out quite clearly. Yeah,
0: near uh, among the latest in the ongoing migrant crisis near a city where abutting the Rio Grande and Eagle Pass, where state authorities have erected fencing and kept out federal agents god forbid we actually protect our borders now if this is the case then why do we care about ukraine you're right. russia's just going you know th- this this right, this exactly. level of hypocrisy is so frustrating but ultimately again the the goal is is power right
1: yeah the the destabilization that, 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 of the, the united states they have to destabilization
0: to bring, to bring mm-hmm. in crisis and then that's when you make all your power grabs make all your changes and then normalism um so this is this is you could almost say that we're in a soft civil war, mm-hmm. right? We're not in a legitimate civil war, but this is there is a lot of things being put in place of of states against the federal government. Um, this so this is this is just a first step towards down that path. Um, and I believe it was I can't remember who it was, but it was talking actually regarding this fact of the civil war would not be fought on the streets. The civil war was going to be fought in the courts, and it was going to be more on the political side of. Uh, And the judicial side. But again, we'll see, you know, this, this is a pretty big deal when you have this level of just disregard for a state sovereignty. So we will see in the coming days what comes of all of this. Again, I think that this year being an election year, we know what the world and direction the world is going. I think it's going to be a very interesting year.
1: Yeah. Do not let your hearts be troubled you know paul and i bring this stuff up to say guys look this is coming you know don't worry about it god's got god's in control make sure you are clinging on to the robe of the shepherd don't let go
0: (laughs) all right so for my babylon b trump promises vivek Ramaswamy an administration position running the white house (laughs) 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 7-eleven and tiana told me about this one actually and it was just like blowing up twitter Following former president Donald Trump's landslide victory in the Iowa primary and immediate concession by GOP candidate Vivek Ramaswamy, Trump offered an olive branch by promising the billionaire entrepreneur a cabinet position running the White House 7-Eleven convenience store. I've always said Vivek was a great man, one of the greatest men, to be honest, said Trump during a victory speech. That's why I've graciously offered him this incredible opportunity, a once in a lifetime chance to run our big, beautiful White House convenience store. It's a tremendous, wonderful place. Peter Biden the White House doesn't even have a 7-11 not good we're going to bring convenience back to the west wing
1: <laughs> and what is so funny is people lost their minds over this on Twitter calling him racist and and then Vivek he tweets out would you like a slurpee with that
2: <laughs>
1: <laughs> I like him uh, he is he is um uh not, not Buddhist, but, uh, what's the polytheist religion in India? Hindu. He is Hindu uh, for the record, you know? So when he talks about God, he's not talking about the same God that we do, but I I do, I do agree with the, many of the principles that he espouses. Does that mean that's how he lives? I don't know. We'll, we'll find out, but I was really torn with my Babylon bee, Paul. I couldn't decide if I was going to go with the one where Kamala's in the view Uh, the show the view and it says kamala enjoys finally being the smartest person in the room i was torn between that one and trump offers desantis a coveted administration position spinning a trump sign on the street corner (laughs) but instead i decided to go with the much more mild of all of them which is the world economic forum concludes event with a virgin sacrifice to the weather gods to prevent climate change And it says in Davos, members and invited attendees of this week's World Economic Forum's annual summit in Davos, Switzerland, capped off yet another momental, monumental event with the traditional virgin sacrifice to the weather gods to prevent climate change.
0: <laughs>
2: oh, <laughs> oh,
1: anyway. My gosh,
0: that's hilarious. All right, guys, thank you so much for joining us this week. Continue to pray for us. There's a lot going on behind the scenes um, for both of us, both in the different ministry paths God has us on. Um, and just, yeah, there's, there's a lot. So just continue to pray for us. Continue to lift us up. We definitely continue to lift you guys up. We really appreciate you taking the time to listen to us. We hope we encouraged you today. Please like, please share and subscribe to this podcast. If you have questions, if you have prayer requests, please email me paul at the warriors rising.com. As I said on the page, I do have that section under resources about Islam. The price for the men's retreat will be coming out in the next week. So I will be contacting all of you that have reached out and filled that form out and actually pulling you guys into a chat group so that I can get that information to you guys uh, within the next week on the pricing. And I will also give you the address so you can see if that's going to be feasible or not. And also, uh, as an aside, the neighboring property, they are... They've got a big building on it uh, and they are giving us access to that. So if we need to, we can sleep inside, uh, depending, weather dependent. So appreciate you guys. Uh, Thank you all for everything that you guys are doing. We love and just lift every single one of you out. Go out, preach the gospel, disciple the nations, and just do what our King wants us to do, which is bring glory and honor to his name. This is Paul with Warriors Rising, out. (laughs)